empty. That word has a strong sound, doesn't it? The world has changed dramatically in just a few weeks. In fact, as we were preparing for Easter, we thought we were going to be talking to you about how busy our lives are, all the places that we have to go, all the things that we have to do, all the money that we are spending, and how it's leaving us empty. In fact, I thought I was going to be able to quote to you that great Southern Gospel band that says, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I'm in a rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. Well, here we are a few weeks later, living in a different world. Empty has kind of taken on a different meaning. Empty restaurants, empty ball fields, empty schools, empty church buildings. Empty's not always bad though. In fact, I would argue that Holland Chapel has more faith than ever, even though this building is empty. You, the people of God, the church, you are full of faith. It's Easter, so you probably know where we're going with this word empty today, don't you? If you do, let's celebrate. If you don't, we're thankful that you're leaning in and you're listening. And here's what I want to tell you has been our prayer as pastors and as a staff for you throughout this Easter series. It's that you would realize that because of the empty tomb, we no longer have to have an empty life. I'm going to say that again. An empty tomb means no longer having an empty life. So let's get to it. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 27. And I just want to catch you up where we are in this amazing story. It's the most amazing story of all time. And it's the story of Jesus. Jesus has been with his disciples for three full years at this point. They've been doing day after day, watching him and witnessing all the amazing things that he did. Jesus did things like healing the sick. He gave the blind sight. He caused the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. He turned water into wine. And then one day he fed thousands of people and all he had were five pieces of bread and two fish sticks. And those people ate well that day. And not only that, Jesus even raised the dead to life. And yet, this is not really the reason why Jesus came. In fact, Jesus kept telling his closest followers again and again why he came. And they missed it over and over again. Yet Jesus stayed fully committed to why he came and to do what he came to do. Well, as Jesus is spending time with his followers, they enter into this meal called the Passover. It's not a meal that a lot of us are very familiar with today, but for them, the Jews then, that would have been very familiar. They'd been doing it for centuries. It was a meal, a feast they had every year to celebrate their exodus, their leaving Egypt through the 10 plagues. And out of those 10 plagues, they got to leave slavery and to experience freedom. So every time they ate this Passover meal every year, they were celebrating their freedom. Well, as Jesus and his disciples were having this meal, he started something new with them so they would remember him. So they will never, ever forget him. When they finished supper, things started getting crazy. Jesus went with some of his disciples and they went to pray and it was the middle of the night. And as Jesus got done praying, one of his closest followers, whose name was Judas, came 
to betray him. And this betrayal put Jesus on the path to the very thing that he came here to do. And as Jesus was on that path, he was committed fully to laying down his life. And it was a painful way to lay down his life. As most of us know, Jesus laid down his life on a cross. We're familiar with what one looks like, but we have no idea the amount of pain and suffering and anguish that cross would bring another human being. And yet Jesus willingly allowed them to lay him on a cross and to crucify him. They took giant nails and they nailed them into his hands and they nailed him into his feet. Let that just wash over you for just a moment and think about the pain and the suffering and the anguish that Jesus went through knowing that it was the purpose for his being here on earth. Well, as he was there on the cross with the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet, he suffered there and he died there. And after his death, we pick up in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57. Before we read that verse of scripture, though, I want to pose this question. Why did Jesus do it? Why did he lay down his life? Here's why Jesus did it. He laid down his life to give us life. Look at Matthew 27 and verse 57. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for his body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him, the body of Jesus. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. And then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. And so there was Jesus, dead, after experiencing this horrific death on the cross. Joseph puts him in his tomb, which is the way bodies were buried then. The stone has been rolled in place, and there Jesus laid. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. These were two ladies that were devout followers of Jesus, and they were going to the tomb to... Um, uh, put spices and ointment on the body, which was the custom of the day. Verse 2. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Are you picturing this? His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards, the Roman guards that were there, shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Verse 5. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And then check this out, verse 6. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead. 
the tomb was empty. Jesus was there and now he's not. Jesus was dead and now he is alive. This is what we as Christians base everything of our faith upon. The crucifixion of Jesus for us and his incredible resurrection. Can you imagine being one of these two ladies going there to the tomb to treat the body, to take care of the body? You interact instead with this angel and this voice that comes from him telling you that Jesus isn't there. I'm going to put a picture on the screen for you and it's a picture of the, the garden tomb where Jesus was and it's in Jerusalem and I've had the opportunity to go there and when I walked into that empty tomb the word empty was louder and greater and more powerful than ever for me to think about being in the empty tomb. The tomb today is absolutely, completely empty because Jesus didn't stay dead. On the third day, on the new day, on the Sunday, he came back from the dead. And the empty tomb means no more empty life. It means that we can be full of forgiveness rather than being full of sin. It means that we can be full of hope instead of being full of despair. Because of the empty tomb, all of our past has been handled. All of our sin, all of our shortcomings, all of our failures, all of the wicked things that we've done have been paid for through the work of Jesus Christ. They've been covered. They've been done away with through what Jesus has done. Our sin has been forgiven through Jesus. Everything that we've ever done, paid for, done away with. This is the power of the empty tomb. Christians, this is the reason why we celebrate Easter. This is the reason why we have faith. This is the reason why we follow Jesus. It's because we follow a risen Savior. We have an empty tomb. So I'm praying that you can say with all of your heart, the empty tomb means no more empty life. In fact, right now, wherever you are, you may want to say out loud this statement, the empty tomb means no more empty life. And if you've experienced by faith, the empty tomb and the risen Savior, you, you know what we're talking about right now. It means that you're full of, full of love in the middle of social distancing. It means that you're full of patience when you're with the kids doing homeschooling. It means that you can be, uh, have joy in the middle of sweeping the floor. It means that you can experience kindness on the video call for work. It means that you can have peace in the midst of uncertainty and press conferences. It means that you can have gentleness when the person in front of you gets the last roll of toilet paper at the store. It means that you can have faith when finances are looking thin. Listen, the empty tomb fills us with life. It means we don't have to live the way we used to live anymore. It means that we are experiencing something new and something powerful and something alive. And his name is Jesus. Maybe right now, you're hearing about the cross. You're hearing about the suffering of Jesus for your sin. And maybe you're hearing about the empty 
tomb and you are realizing that your life is empty right now and you need something to fill you. You need this hope and this forgiveness that we speak of. I want to encourage you right now to place your faith in Jesus Christ. The scripture says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, and that is Jesus, they will be saved. I'm going to put a prayer on the screen and I want to lead you in that prayer right now. If you need to receive Jesus, would you say these words to him and confess your heart, your sin to him and allow him to save you? Would you pray a prayer like this? Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you were perfect. I believe you died for me and my sin. Please empty me of my sin and rescue me. I want you to be my Savior and Lord. Amen. If you prayed this prayer right now, man, we want to celebrate with you. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to help you and encourage you in your faith, in this new life, this full life that's come out of the empty tomb. Church, as followers of Jesus, we want to remember Jesus this Easter. I'm convinced that this will be the Easter that we will never forget. I've been around for over 40 Easter's now and I've celebrated Jesus every Easter and I guess I've done some kind of egg hunt every Easter and I've gone to church and all the things that Christians do, but they all kind of run together for me. But I think the Easter of 2020 is the one I'll never ever forget. So if this is the Easter that we'll never forget, let's make sure on this Easter, we never forget Jesus. And we want to remember him together today. Earlier this week, we did our best to make communion kits available to you with the bread and the juice so that you can take communion as a church with us today. Um, and so I want you to get that out right now and begin to prepare that and get that open. If you um, need to take a moment and do that, begin doing that right now. And we want to look at scripture together and we want to remember Jesus together in communion today as followers of Jesus. So we're going to remember Jesus the way he instructed us to remember right before he went to the cross. Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26. Jesus and his disciples were having this meal that we talked about earlier, the Passover meal. As they were finishing the Passover meal, again, Jesus started something new. He started it for his followers and we are his followers. Look at Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 26. And what we're about to read is Jesus starting this new thing that we call today communion or the Lord's Supper. It's a time for us who believe in Jesus and who follow Jesus, we, his church, remember him. It's a, it's a small, tangible way that we can remember his body and remember his blood. Here's what it says in verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And with the bread, he's reminding us of how he went to the cross in his body to be torn apart for our sin and for our shame. 
in verse 27, it says he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out. What's poured out? His blood is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those many. And I've got many sins and he has cleansed them all through his blood. Goes on in verse 29 to say, mark my words. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So as you've got, hopefully, your bread and your cup there, I want to give you a moment to pray. If you're there with your family, I'd love for you to pray as a family right now. And just simply take a moment and ask and tell Jesus, if you will, tell Jesus that you remember his body and you remember his blood. Think about his suffering. Think about his anguish on the cross. And don't forget Jesus this Easter. So you pray, and then I'm going to lead a prayer, and then we're going to take the bread, and we're going to take the cup together. Would you pray? Father, right now, in homes all over our community, fellow followers of Jesus are praying to you to say that they remember you. And together, right now, we say, Jesus, we remember. We want to remember and thank you for your body. We want to remember and thank you for your blood. Thank you for laying down your life so we can have life. Amen. We'll take the bread. Drink the cup. So we look back and we remember. We remember the body and we remember the blood. We also look forward. I don't know if you caught it. don't know if you heard it. But in that last verse that we read, Jesus made us a promise. He said, I'm going to hang out with you again. We're going to do this again together. And it's going to be all of us, all of God's people who have been cleansed through the body and the blood of Jesus and been made empty of sin because of the empty tomb are going to get to celebrate in this same way with Jesus one day. And so we look back and we remember, we look forward, and man, we have such, such hope. The next verse that we didn't read said that Jesus and his followers actually sang a song. And they celebrated God and His goodness and His grace and gave Him glory. 
And so we want to do that together right now. We want to sing one more song together on this Easter and praise the risen Savior. That angel declared, he's not here for he is risen. Oh, that word empty. What a powerful, powerful word when we think about the empty tomb that means we no longer have to have nor live an empty life. God bless you. Let's sing together.